This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to support the show, even through the summer months of content. We come at you every single week, 365, covering the New York Rangers somehow, some way. Today we have Tarek El-Bashir on. He is a beat reporter for the Washington Capitals. He will talk to us all about Peter Laviolette and his tenure with the Capitals and what the Ranger fans can expect and what they should be scared of. Plus, Greg and I do some nonsense as always. So without further ado, here is our dear friend Mark Messier. Let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, how are you? Say hello. Bow down to the king, sir. The king? Oh, the who's the king? The slump, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about fantasy baseball. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> not, not what people want to hear. Not uh, what, what, what do they want to hear? The Mets blow. The Mets uh, do suck. We're still Yankees trying suck to warm. Too. Yeah, Mets suck. Yankees suck. The Knicks didn't trade for Beal, which I don't know if people are happy about that. Greg Berhalter. I think they should be happy that the Knicks didn't trade for Beal. I don't know. I don't fucking know. If it wasn't going to cost them anything, did you see that trade? Yeah, it was. but you do have to pay Beal $60 million a year. Cool, man. It's Dolan's money. It ain't mine. It's cool. Zion's going to be a Nick this week. Right, guys? Right, guys? Yeah, spitting in my mouth while I'm at it. (laughs) Those texts are forever. They're forever, (laughs) Zion. Super oh, unfortunate. Listen, we don't king shame. Whatever gets you off, bud. No, just, man. Like, go, you know, whatever. I, just, I, just be I, safe I, out there. I don't know how COVID started, but I think that's in play. <laughs> I've, I've heard some theories. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, I've, I've seen some Twitter theories. Imagine, They've all been interesting. Imagine in seven years we learned that it wasn't Rudy Gobert who shut down sports. It was Zion Williamson. It was Zion Williamson the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, everybody. Allegedly. Oh, man. Uh, super fun. College. Uh, not exactly like we have a lot to talk about. Only a couple things. Officially, Peter Laviolette is the New York Rangers coach. It has been announced after we recorded the podcast last week, although it had pretty much been done the Friday before. They were just hanging out, figuring stuff out, figuring out the term. Three-year deal. I think $5 million a year. The money doesn't matter at all. Only to Peter Laviolette, who's getting paid a ton, of course. Uh, and congratulations to him. It makes me think of our dear friend Tom Ertz posted this question in one of our chats as we were talking to uh, talking about it. And who was or who is going to get the best out of this roster? And he put the four different options of the last four Ranger coaches. Elaine Vigneault, obviously, as you know, David Quinn, Drug Gallant, or Peter Laviolette. And I can't help but say my gut reaction was Peter Laviolette. <laughs> Which felt really bad, but also made me have a, the littlest hope of all time. Yeah, I, we're going to talk with... Uh, Tariq El-Bashir of The Athletic. He covers the av- uh, the Avalanche, the Capitals. Is, listen, it's summertime, baby. I'm on a different Yeah, different we're on different, different vibes. Um, yeah, it'll be good to talk to Tariq and ask him questions. And we have our preconceived understanding of what Laviolette is. I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more about him today, throughout the season. I don't, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to judge. It just... It's uninspiring on its level on the surface so it's it's just hard for me to really approach those questions being like who's doing what where when i don't i don't know all i know is 
I wish they took a chance. They didn't. Um, there is it, some chances that they take a chance on some assistant coaching. I'm sure you saw from Mr. Brooks. Yeah, I, but I don't know. Brooks hasn't been right about anything all summer. Um, God bless Johnny. Johnny also hasn't been right about anything all summer. So well, I'm not I, allowing. I, I, I know he's listening to this. So you <laughs> could you could say ever. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you might have been right once. I could be forgetting a moment, but. Well, no, Johnny. I, Johnny was right when he went out and stayed up till five a.m. partying with Jack Eichel. So <laughs> that was that was when he was right. Man, I remember when I was young. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two years I, ago. <laughs> I don't. I, I hope. I hope they take swings, but I know the Rangers have been really quiet and buttoned up, and I, I, I can't say I've heard anything to lead me to believe that well, they're they, going to take a swing they, on a young assistant. They got rid of Gordon Murphy, so everybody's gone now for the most part. Yeah, it's interesting that it, I don't know. I don't know what necessarily. Oh man, I'm sorry. I had something on in the background that is disgusting, and I okay. I thought I, I you were looking at your knee again. My no, apologies. I know my knee's fine now, but I'm okay. watching Deadliest Catch in the background because it's on Max, uh, not a sponsor of the show, not a sponsor, and it's just a great have on in the background while you're falling asleep doing other shit type show and some guy had just like a pus bubble he just popped on his finger. oh cool yeah, yeah. Oh, great <laughs> uh so yeah that that got that got me to gag on on a live podcast here um nothing but the best for we're talking, content, are my we dear talking about assistance is that where we are yeah got, that's unfortunately where we're at where cool. they cl- they cleaned house scored murphy oh um, right 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 I, legendary I, it's weird it's a, I, I don't know weird or interesting is, is the right terminology to use here but they went out of their way to not relieve him of his duties until the coaching search kind of reached a conclusion, which I I don't know what to make of that. I know that um, it's clear Drury likes him. He obviously worked in Hartford uh, before getting the promotion to the big show. I don't know if he's going to stay somehow in the organization because they let him go. Either they let him go late or when we were told that assistant coaches were being let go people just got it wrong that murphy was not one of them it it's really hard to tell fact from fiction currently with drury which listen more power to him but again like we've talked about this before in recent weeks where i think sometimes drury forgets that this is a hockey team and not state secrets it's okay to be a little bit more open and transparent you don't have to be just ostriching it by putting your head in the sand and not letting anything come out. Well, he's not Lou. That's the good news. Right. The good news, the good news is the Islanders let nothing out. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Whereas the Rangers have too many people around still, or th- certain things will leak. Very few things will leak. But with Lou, it's absolutely nothing. You don't learn anything about the Islanders. And I don't know if the Islanders can make any moves, period, for like two years. I have no idea. And we'll have no idea because no one tells us. Yeah. <laughs> I have no, no clue. Um, yeah, I, I, the Gordon Murphy thing is a little strange. I, I, I'm not sure he deserved to stay. It's not like I would say I was fighting for Gordon Murphy to stay on this squad. Don't think he did anything to really earn that that situation. What's funny is the only assistant coach I've really ever fought for was, was uh, our dear friend Ma- Marty Jacques, Jacques Martin, uh, who did an amazing job with the penalty kill, was subsequently fired, and then I... I don't actually know, even know what happened to him. But outside of that, I haven't fought for an assistant coach in forever. So good for good for Peter Laviolette for bringing in his own guys. Plus, maybe the Rangers bring in some of their own assistants as well. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, I'm always Benoit Lair notwithstanding. I'm always a fan uh, of Lair's different. 
if you have a new coach, have a new everything. Why even – if something was legitimately working, you wouldn't have made a coaching change. So even if you kind of sort of liked one of your assistants, I don't think there's anything lost by cleaning house, bringing in fresh voices, allowing uh, a, a, a new guy – to at least have a say or feel like he's having a say in the makeup of a staff. So fine by me. I, I, I the defense, listen, um, I don't think we could blame the six defensemen necessarily for all of the defensive issues. The Rangers had the forwards themselves were a big part of the problem at the same time. Um, the stubbornness in not wanting to change defensive pairings, the stubbornness in, the style in which the defenseman played, I think it would benefit the Rangers to have a different voice in that locker room to at least take a fresh look at things. It, I, how many times did we say it was weird that, like, Miller, Truba, you couldn't break it up regardless of anything? A million? Is a million low? I it think might a be million's low. low. It I, might like, be low. Like, it worked out with Nico Mikola being able to eventually find footing playing next to Adam Fox and that pairing becoming decent, but... Off the rip, it wasn't very good. Mikola was struggling to get his feet wet with the Rangers, and it was odd that the Rangers, instead of either moving Miller up or adjusting the rest of the defensive pairings, were like, nope, nope, this is this is where the hole is, so we got to plug and play, and that's what we're going to do, even if the guy next to him is Adam Fox. And it never really made a whole lot of sense. We'll never really know how much of that was Murphy or how much Gallant was telling Murphy that he preferred XYZ. We'll never know, but I just think it – it definitely gives the new guy in the chair a feeling of impact immediately, whether it is or it isn't is notwithstanding. Yeah, maybe they'll, for the first time in history, play defenseman on their off hands. <laughs> Can you imagine that was possible? Uh, which well, which kind of leads us to our next conversation, right, about Zach Jones? Yeah, uh, nice, nice contract. Cool. Um, Sweet. Get that money, baby. I get that minimum money. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he didn't get the money. He left money on the table. Yes, he did. Uh, still a lot of money. Good for you, Zach Jones. Way to go. You'll, you'll be able bag. to pay off those UMass loans any day now. Um, I Listen, we. it makes all the sense in the world that he should be the sixth defenseman. He should be on the bottom At pair. At least playing for next. the first half of the season. Yeah, he should, in theory, be the guy that you're playing next to Braden Schneider trying to get minutes to um, trying to find the right matchups and all that, especially when you consider, again, this team doesn't have a lot of money to play with. They have other holes they need to fill, namely a backup goalie God, and the at money least is, one winger. It's, it gets worse by the day. It doesn't get better. That's no, it does not. Sure. Uh, it makes sense. You already have Ben Harper, so you don't even need to sign a seventh guy. Uh, you can at least call it an open competition with him and Robertson in camp, you shouldn't have to go out and sign another defenseman, even though I I personally like Nico Mikla. I think it would be great if they could find a way to bring him back. But it is such a low priority that I completely understand allowing him to walk because he's going to get a multi-year deal. And it's probably going to be north of $2.5 million a year. Yeah, and the I, Rangers just can't put themselves on that kind of contract. No, and the, you, they like whether you think Alexi Lafreniere should play on his offhand or not, this team is short a winger. Othman is it's unfair to Othman to expect him to be that guy and I know the Rangers might be in a situation where they don't have a choice but if they could find a way to bring in a middle six winger that could stabilize the heart of that Ranger lineup 
that will make them a significantly better team. And the other thing is, Ryan, if they don't sign that guy, you need to keep some dollars open in season so you can go out and find him at the 40-game mark. Uh, yeah, and I think expecting Othman to come in and impact this team is really incredibly unfair to him. He needs some time in the AHL. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we said this? He lost an entire year of his career last year. He yeah. did, and I saw some um, – I can't remember who it was, so I can't yell at them appropriately. Well, but was it, it was Patrick Bacon, that loser? I don't know if it was Bacon. I think it was somebody else. Maybe it was. I don't know. Let's, but it let's was like, say it was. Because oh, I don't yeah, let's just yell at Bacon. <laughs> let's just – whatever. It was like the development. Like He really took a step back this year because of the, the scoring points, and he should I be thought, scoring I, way more. I, and thought all this. That, I thought that was Bacon, to be fair. Okay, if it was, I, I don't know, so I can't yell at him appropriately. Point is, Othman didn't have to try this year. He didn't want to be there. Every single time there's been a big game in any, any highlight you ever see of Brendan Othman, he's laying the biggest hit you've ever seen, or he's taking a sane shot. He's probably a middle six NHL player. He's not going to be a star. If he is, that's awesome. But he's going to be a long-term piece for the New York Rangers who is going to play perfectly at the NHL level. Rushing him is what we've... like. We didn't get to thank Brett or really congratulate Brett Howden yet because we're going to have to. <laughs> uh, we, but, don't, we don't have to. That guy's got everything going for him. He's, he's true. God bless him. Uh, but with Othman, like, if you're rushing him, it's just another. it could be just another tragedy of development with the New York Rangers. And I the just, last thing you want to do is do with that. With this fan base specifically, everyone's saying this team can't develop forwards and at the same breath we will go, Brennan Othman needs to be in the lineup right on a now, day. Right now. It's, and it's, and and he's going to be good. Like he, he's likely good now to play with Mika and Kreider. Just has to take that tri- tri- uh, terrific shot he has, and just sit and wait for the pass. But he's going to be overmatched he's pretty still, quickly. He's still NHL. just a child. I don't. There's no problem. What What do you lose if you're the New York Rangers by allowing Othman six weeks in Hartford before deciding if he's you're, ready for the? You're National not League. losing or changing your record by more than three games at that point. Othman. Your Even goalie, then, that's your goalie, your goalie is still Igor Shosturkin. Your season will still depend on Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox. We'll, we'll get to Panarin in a minute. We have some things to talk about. Othman is what? The 12th most important Ranger next year? And that's if... A couple other players really go belly up. I actually up. don't even know he's that high. Yeah, so what is the what is the point in allowing Othman to break camp with the Rangers and try to trial by fire when you can just give him minimum six weeks in Hartford? You know, a player's confidence is something we try to talk about a good amount on this show. A player will feel a lot better of himself if he's a point-per-game player in Hartford before jumping into the NHL. And if, listen... Uh, if he doesn't want to go to Hartford, I would expect everyone to treat him like they treated Vitaly Kravtsov. That's all I will say about that. It, yeah, it better be the same treatment. I it want better. the exact same verbiage used. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Lafreniere should have never gone to the AHL. Like, he's the number one overall pick. He was he was touted. He had all these things with him. But I, I can tell you that if he went to the AHL and he ripped it up for six straight weeks and was the best player by far among his peers, it might have changed his trajectory at the NHL level just a little bit. But also, if the Rangers drafted Lafreniere and for some reason couldn't promote him in his first season and he had to go back to juniors and play meaningless hockey for a year, you know what I would want? I would want the Rangers to put him in Hartford that first year back. Yes. I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Brennan Othman played meaningless fucking hockey for 87%. Of his season in juniors last year. And he played he a lot of it. And, you know, not not to think you're above playing against some of these players, but he is. He is. Right. And you, we can go into whether that, like you said, that mental mindset should be something we need to talk about more. And whether that's a 
harbinger of things to come with him. But at the same time, I don't know if I had to go. If imagine you just get held back in the tenth grade for no fucking reason, besides the fact that instead of going to eleventh grade, you had to choose then to either go straight to college or enjoy tenth grade once one more time. It doesn't make. You, we too would not have fucking you, tried. You would not be thrilled, I promise. Yeah, you, we would not have tried. We would have called it a day. I would have said, I already got these grades, already took these classes, why am I still here? I would have had a piss-poor attitude. I would have been not a happy camper to be around. He lost the year. I don't think there's any problem with being like, Brendan, we want you to get your feet wet before we throw you to the wolves, so let's spend a week, six weeks in Hartford and see where you are after that, and then we can talk. Let's talk about mindsets. Uh-oh. Artemi Panarin shaved uh, his head. Uh, brother in arms. Uh, yep. I actually, I don't appreciate what Artemi Panarin is doing because I have no choice I, yeah, to shave the I head. was going to bring it up, <laughs> but you did, so that's good. Yeah, I have no Happy choice. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Why? Because I have no hair that makes you, me a father? No, because you have a dad. Oh, yeah, I texted. He was, we were not happy campers yesterday. I don't know if you saw the Met game. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Well, why would you? They fucking blow. Um, <laughs> they are not yeah. good. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the Raves did not fix the Mets. No, they didn't. Man, I'll just think about how fun that was that Let, week. Let's talk about Tim Aaron, and then I actually do want to talk about the Mets at the end of the podcast. Why? Because I, I have... Are they, like, the most non-fun Mets team you've watched in, like, three or four years? Yeah, we'll save it for the end of the show. I have thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. Anyway, mm. Panarin, I yeah. want to say this quote. Quote, he drastic, he cut his hair, shaved it, yeah. drastically changed his image to reset the previous unfortunate stage of his career and attempt to remove evil forces. <laughs> I always wonder if that's what he actually said or if somehow translating Russian to English, yeah, that's, this, these are just the words is. you get. All right, I'm going to stick with uh, attempt to remove evil forces. That's too badass. But uh, <laughs> I, I like the move by Panarin. I think it's I think it's good. But I, I but at the same time, Panarin's really really good the regular season. He's I'll say inc- that, I'll say this: incredible. every every fan that gives Panarin shit and tries to put him in trade packages, I can't with that man. All people want are for players to be um, shit. What's the word I'm looking for? As engaging as fun. No, 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 no. Productive. That's not it. No. Nope. Okay. No. Nope. Um, it's not responsible. It's not a good sign that I can't think of the word I'm trying he's, to think of. He is taking. Are you saying like he's taking credibility for his actions? Accountable. Accountable. They want players to be accountable. Not it. Yes. Yeah, I got there. Everybody. Yes. Wow. Podcasting. Him. Yeah. No. Wonderful podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Also, really telling uh, that I could not find the word accountable. <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> I've never experienced this it's in something, my life. Something so I've never said or done be? ever. Uh, yeah, players, fans want star players to be accountable. And here's Artemi Panarin saying, "I sucked so bad that I need to shave my head in order to get these evil forces out of my body." That is just a man drenching himself in accountability, and fans will still be like. He's a prima donna, spoiled little bitch who needs why, to be Why won't he team. play defense? Yeah. Guys, just, Gerard Gallant and him hated each other in a way you'll never understand. <laughs> I just, I don't, I, man, every, every, who are you getting for Panarin? I don't even know. I, it, it's, what, you really think the Maple Leafs are going to trade you Mitch fucking Marner for our Tammy Panarin? No, very excited for Matthews to sign a three-year deal with them, though. Oh, if Matthews smart, I would just go two. Why even go three? We can talk about the Brat news now because it's worth it. Yeah. It's disgusting. So Brat signs a eight-year deal. Well, he sucks in the playoffs, so maybe I'm not too worried about it. All right. But uh, the value <laughs> still is un- 
unbelievable. Yeah, so, it's all, I, I, listen, it's a great deal for the Devils. Wonderful for them. Happy for our friends. Who is Brad's agent? Yeah, to, fire him. What are we doing? Fire him. I, look, we always talk about setting the culture. With Matthew Estevez, who, for, who works for Raw Charge, or formerly worked for Raw Charge, I think he's still working for them. I think, I, I think it's a smaller role, though. He, he's a married man now. He's got family that's true. to take care of. He's moved on. Anyway... Matthew Savage has been on the show talking about Tampa Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, like nine times over the past three years. Give or take. And one of the things he would always talk about is that the Tampa Bay Lightning set the culture where everyone took less money to stay and be part of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. And they ended up winning two fake cups from that. Congratulations to them. But they did that. When somehow Jack Hughes' agent let him sign for eight years, when everybody knows the cap's going up, everybody knows. At least with Hughes, you, you you can explain the contract away. He was battling injuries early in his career. I think he's, one of them was a significant concussion. Smaller player. Smaller player. Took the payday early. It, it, if you're 20, 21 years old, $8 million means a whole lot more to you than if you're 24, 25, Right, and 26. he's guaranteed, and he's, he's going to get another contract when he's 29 years old. He, he essentially, he didn't really, he didn't want to bet on himself, but at the same time, I think getting the $8 million when he got it, I think you could say the Devils were taking a pretty significant risk because we, it wouldn't have been the first highly drafted player to go belly up and $8 million a year for a player that doesn't perform and you put that much stock into. There was risk on each side, enough risk that it's it's a fair contract at the moment. Yep. It happens because, again, there's no guarantee the player becomes what Jack Hughes is today, which is a super-duper star, and there's no guarantee the Devils should be locking him up under any circumstance for eight years. I get it. But Fair. now they can use this as leverage versus every other player. They shouldn't be able to use it as leverage. That's is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Jesper Brad should be like, that's cool that you signed Jack Hughes to that contract. I don't know how that impacts me. They were like, Jesper Brad. But you, Jesper Brad, I know you're good, but you're not better than Jack Hughes. So therefore, you cannot make more money than him. Not like, even more. So even like, let's go one step further. Why is any player signing a contract over three years this year? What are you doing? All you are doing is making it so you won't make more money in three years. That's all you're doing. The salary cap eventually is going to spike. The NHL has brought in too much money over the last couple of years in their TV deals and the revenue and all that shit. Once this escrow bullshit is paid off, the salary cap will spike. So if you're Jesper Brat and you want to stay in Jersey, that's all great and grand. And if they are like, you can't sign for more than $8 million, you can be like, fine, here's a two-year deal. And when this cap spikes, we're going to have another fucking conversation. Yeah, we're all based starting at 11. <laughs> yeah. I just, if you're an agent, why are you locking? Why is anybody? The only player I would understand is, um, uh, Shit, who did who just accountability? Signed? Damon Sev- Damon, <laughs> Damon Severson. Okay, but Severson should get that bag of stats. No, right. He should definitely sign for eight years because in two years people could be like, Oh, you're not good. Yeah, you're not but good, if, and this is a terrible contract. We have six years left. Jesper is going to be good in three years. So if you're Jesper Brat, why did you just leave millions of dollars on the table? Not I only that, have the conversation. I know we're in a timeline conversation. We're not a timeline situation, but Jesper Brad, I believe, is 24, 25? I'm going to just double check here. On he's, a, he's, he's a young boy. Is he that young? I, th- I think he's in that age. He's not 28. He's 24. Timo, yeah, Timo is like 28, 29. So eight years, 30, he'll be 32 years old. Take a three-year deal. You can cash in big at 27 when the salary cap spikes $6 million. And then you're, that's, that's the rest of your career. Yep, you got it. That's everything. You got it all. <laughs> I, 
I, How are we not agents? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Like we should be GMs and agents because we're smarter than both. I'm sorry. A, we got to take a test quick. Do, do we? Oh well, the test is shit. We know too much. Uh, <laughs> but like, How, look at playing along. Look at Gavrikov. That agent smart guy. He's like Gavrikov. You're taking a high AAV two year deal. Well, okay, so so for example, let, let's go to the other side of this. Killboard's agent. <laughs> He should be fired. <laughs> he should be fired. Stats. Yeah, the key is to know when to say yes and when to say no. He it, turned down an eight-year deal, and he got a one-year deal instead. Uh-huh. And now he's not signing anything. So uh, that didn't work out. But yes, for Brett is a big-time up-and-coming player. Kilborn yep. was not that. Just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, I have I have no idea. I just I don't understand. Like if Matthews takes anything over three years, he's as stupid as he fucking looks too. I know, but I, uh, I'm i with the Leaf fans where if I'm I'm a Leaf fan, I'm looking at all these other teams signing all these players to really good contracts over eight years, and I go, why can't that be us? Why? I don't understand. Yeah, but here's the thing. Brett, you can talk yourself into him taking a hometown discount because maybe he's a guy that doesn't want anyone to give a shit about him, and then he's in the perfect market for that. He doesn't have to deal with media. They have, what, two and a half beat reporters for papers that nobody I, reads? I actually think... That's too high. I th- it was one. It's Amanda, right? And one other, maybe. Oh, oh Amanda's, no, Rod- Amanda's not. I don't. I like Amanda's work. I don't count her as a beat reporter. She works for the team. That would be. Do you think Steve Delbs is a beat reporter? That's true. Uh, what's his name? Ryan something. I'm gonna look it well, up. Yeah, yeah. He, he interviewed us. Me, us, me. You, yeah, you. <laughs> Just you. Uh, Just you. Sorry. He, he exists. <laughs> I think the Star Ledger has a beat reporter too. Maybe, possibly, and maybe NHL.com has guys that try to focus on the Devils more than anybody else. Your point's being made. Yeah, if you don't want to deal with shit, New Jersey seems like a great place for that. Whereas in Toronto... I think there should be a tax for how much shit that Toronto has to eat sometimes. Like, if you just listen to Toronto media, you would think William Nylander is a bottom six player. That guy is so goddamn good. He's so good. And yet, every time, every day you wake up, you're like, are we trading Nylander finally? This guy's the best Leaf player this whole year. (laughs) He was so good. And yet, no one really says shit about John Tavares. I think that's interesting. Isn't that? I think that's interesting, too. Hmm. It's funny you say this. It's the offseason, so we can talk about this. Uh huh. Never really seen a think piece. No. Like, is, is John Tavares the problem? Well, but, well, Ryan, you don't understand. He wore PJs at the age of eight. Yeah, okay. Slept in a I, bed. There's, there's millions of Matthews and millions of uh, Nylander stories and Marner stories. Uh-huh. Millions. I don't hear shit I have about not John seen, Tavares. Like, I have never once. Like, is Tavares the problem? Can't be. Can't be. Can't be him. Can't, Can't be, be him. him. Good old Toronto boy. Done well. He, came home. Not exactly. It's not like he's ripped it up since he's been in Toronto Maple Leafs. But. No. No. Did he almost die once? He did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did almost die. Yeah. So is that it? Like, if you flirt with death, we can't criticize you anymore? <laughs> I forget who sent me this text. I don't know if it was Dan or somebody else. Um, talking about maybe the Rangers trying to take a take a swing. Speaking of almost dying. Like, Pacioretty this year. Well, uh, he almost died? I thought I he know, just he didn't die, but his hockey career is almost over because he tore his Achilles. Oh, um, oh, jeez. Get dark, why don't you, buddy? Oh, I mean, that's very hard to come back from a torn Achilles. Incredibly hard. I, like The only person I've ever seen come back almost as close as they were was Durant, and like that's kind of it. Yeah, even Kobe was kind of neutered. But Kobe was also 40 when he tried to do it? Yeah, I think he was like 38, yeah. But Durant's the only player I've seen do it. That's it. God, the sun, it, the, man, when the Suns don't win a title next year, it's going to be great. They're not. They're not going to win. No. Nuggets Nuggets are around. They're not going anywhere. Pretty good. Good yeah, team. They're, they're all right. They're all right. I did see uh, Fitz tweeted uh, Draymond's declined his option, so he's a free agent. He's leaving. 
He's gone. Yeah, Tom, it's a, it's over. <laughs> it's over, Warrior fans. You had a really good run. Actually, one of the best runs in sports history. Yeah. So congratulations. Must be nice. I would do I would do anything for a third of that success. A third. Mm. So sorry, Fitz. I don't feel for you. I don't. Uh, any other topics we missed? Zach Jones, Jamie Panarin. No, I think we're good. I think we're all right. There's not a whole lot of news being made out there for the Rangers. So which uh, now I'll save this for five star questions. My five star questions. So let's let's uh, let's get to our uh, Peter Laviolette interview. Mm. Not with Peter Laviolette. Imagine. <laughs> be that would be the quickest. Hey, you don't like the coach? Get him on Blue Shirts Breakaway. They'll fire him instantly. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, let's get it. Let's get to our interview. Transition. Hey, we're back. everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate, or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too, or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Back with our first guest of the day. The Rangers hired Peter Laviolette, so we thought the best way to maybe learn about the new coach for the New York Rangers was to bring in someone who covered Peter Laviolette. So we have Tark El-Bashir. He's part of The Athletic. Tark, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, so I don't know if you know this, but Peter Laviolette was maybe the second to last choice for the New York Rangers uh, during their hiring search. They went out and they probably wanted anybody else on earth, and I think they settled. The Washington Capitals, and correct me if I'm wrong, targeted Peter Laviolette after his stint in Nashville, and uh, seemingly things did not go well. How much of that was on the team? How much of that was on Laviolette? And kind of give us the lowdown overall. I, you know, I would have to say that if you look at his entire um, three-year tenure in D.C., that it was a disappointment. You know, they they had two first-round exits and uh, didn't make the playoffs this past year. Um, you know, as with most situations, you know, there were there were mitigating circumstances. It depends on who you talk to uh, to kind of figure out where uh, the blame lies, or or you know how much of a percentage you can assign to to injuries, to um, uh, system, to communication. Like like you know what happened. Um, I I think that uh, I, I wouldn't say I was underwhelmed by Peter. I I think he did a good job in that first year, and also remember he was dealing with COVID too. So there was a lot of stuff he was he was managing. I, that was a really tough time in the world and in the league. And um, uh, you know he still got that team to the playoffs the first year. Um, I think if there was any disappointment, guys, it was the it was this past season. Um, uh, you talk to people with the Capitals and they go, well, we had like 700 man games lost. Like, what do you expect us to do when, you know, our entire team is, is out injured, um, um, for, for half the season. I think there's some, some validity to that. Um, you know, you talk to people around the league who aren't connected with the Capitals and they go, well, you know, it seemed like there was a very, um, uh, maybe Peter was a, a little too rigid in some time, some some areas, and uh, didn't want to make changes to the way uh, 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 he coaches and the way he handles young players, and maybe the way he handles some some star players who you know got some tough love. And I'm thinking about Evgeny Kuznetsov, you know, who was not very pleased with, um, did not play very well, and was also not pleased with how he was handled last year. It's my understanding, and Anthony Mantha, who's another big name player who who didn't perform up to standards, and. You know, again, talking to those people, I go, well, you know, it's the coach's job to find the buttons and press those buttons. He didn't find the buttons. 
Um, so I, I think, you know, as with, with most things, the, the truth lies somewhere in between. I think, I think Peter is a, is a good coach. Um, I, I do wonder if, um, you know, I, I know the Capitals with their latest hire, Spencer Carberry, you know, they wanted younger, fresher ideas. Um, uh, maybe, you know, instead of, um, having, I don't want to say, a, he's a, Peter's not a dinosaur, but, you know, maybe get away from someone who's been, you know, through what, five, six teams. Um, so the Capitals changed directions. Uh, but that said, I, 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 it's hard for me to really describe how I feel about Peter's three years, because there were, there were so many things going on. Um, this last year though, it, it felt a little different than the previous two. It was more of a disappointment. I, you said two key terms that I want to get into there, and that was systems and young players. But before we do that, I, I, I do think it's a little important we reinforce what the expectations were for the Washington Capitals going into last season. Ryan and I, obviously not guys that follow the team closely, but have have to have opinions and care about them on a daily basis with their presence in the Metro. I don't think either of us were overly surprised that they missed the playoffs. So... To your point, the disappointment, quote-unquote, around the Capitals, I don't know if it's fair to put on the feet of Peter Laviolette. At the same time, I don't think he's innocent. Is that fair? I, I think that would that'd be fair. Um, I, I will tell you this. It was a really weird season here in D.C., guys. Um, they got off to this kind of mess start. Um, no one was really playing well at the start of the year. And then in December, they blew the entire league away. They went 11-2-2. and and I mean, they the offense was scoring four goals a game. The defense was shutting down opponents. The goaltending um, was really good. The special teams, which had been kind of up and down through the first couple of years of Laviolette's uh, tenure, where it was clicking. And then John Carlson got hurt. He took a slap shot to the side of the head right before Christmas, and that kind of changed the trajectory of the entire season, in my opinion. You know, they were already missing. Tom Wilson and Nicholas Baxter, but they knew they knew those those guys were out till January. So you, you can't really roll that into the the whole injury man games lost thing, um, uh, because you know th- they planned accordingly for that. But you know Connor Brown going out with an ACL four games in, th- they brought in Connor Brown to replace Tom Wilson who was out with an ACL. So now they have two guys, two right wings who were out with ACLs, and then John Carlson goes down, and I think that really underscored. At, at least and crystallized in the minds of a lot of people here in DC who maybe are critical of John Carlson for you know turnovers and 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 other things that they see as not becoming of an eight million dollar defenseman um, who has the puck on his stick for half the game. Uh, once he went out, the season really went into a tailspin after that. So I think there is some credence to the injuries, but instead of counting the hundreds of man games lost, I was being a little facetious there when I said 700. I think it was more like 500 something. It was so many. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Exactly. A little, but it, it, was, it was a lot of man games lost. Um, uh, but once John Carlson went out, you know, that's a, that's your power play um, guy at the point he plays a huge role in the penalty kill. He generates so much from the back end. The offense nose dived. Um, and just in general, you have, now you have, you know, 18 minutes, 17 minute defenseman playing 20 minutes. And before you know it, people, people were getting exposed and guys were playing too high in the lineup. And that was kind of the beginning of the end of their season. And then, you know, if you ask Peter, if you were to ask Peter where things really went wrong, it was when they hollowed out the, the team at the deadline. That's right? what I was, that's what I was about to say. They were sellers, right? I'm not crazy. They got I mean, they Hathaway, 
Absolutely. Hathaway, Orlov, were those Eller, were the big two, right? Eller, Eller. Johansson, I mean, uh, Eric Gustafson. Those are the five veterans that, that got moved out. And, th- I mean, that was the team right there. You hollowed out the team. And the weird thing was they still were in the in – the, you know, the Metro was so crazy this past year. They still were hanging around <clears throat> Excuse me, um, the last spot for a little bit there. And then, um, uh, you know, with about two and a half, three weeks to go, they, they really just uh, – they lost a really bad game in Pittsburgh late in the season where Mantha had a bad turnover that, you know, led to a Evgeny Malkin goal that that kind of stuck the fork in them. Um, but, you know, despite getting hollowed out the deadline, I mean, to me, it, you know, that's where their season kind of ended, but they still kind of hung around for a little bit. And you got to kind of credit, I think you got to credit the veteran leadership and probably Laviolette to a certain extent for these guys, you know, with a, with a, um, you know, roster that was um, just kind of held together with with bubble gum. You know, still being in the race late. Uh, again, I think Laviolette's a good coach. I think that he is going to give the Rangers the type of bounce that they want at the start. Years two and three remain to be seen, but you know, I think his history shows shows that he's he he's able to get buy in really quickly. Um, um, you know, the Capitals hired him to, to coach a veteran team. So when you hear people talk about, oh, he didn't play the kids, it's because the owners and the, and the managers told him, you're not going to play the kids. We're hiring you to coach our 30-somethings. So that was his mandate, right? And he, he stuck to his mandate pretty well. Um, and uh, so I, I think that first year for the Rangers, I think that next year is the year where you're going to probably see the most buy-in and, and probably the, the best potential for a deep run, if not, you know, doing the whole thing. Let's talk about the kids. Yeah, you said the magic <laughs> word again. Yeah, the, ma- the the kids in New York are a little different than the kids in Washington. Uh, one of them is the first overall pick that is not lived up to expectations so far. Part of that, and at least we'll defend him a little bit, is because, well, simply he's never had power play one time in his entire career. Uh, but there's other things that are daunting to Lafreniere as well. Capococco, as you know, as well, second overall pick. Philip Heedle might as well have been the seventh overall. Thanks, Leah Sanderson. And there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of uh, young potential that maybe Laviolette has never got to deal with. It's been maybe a long time in his career. I can't even think of anybody in Nashville. Maybe I'm missing. Um, how does he treat the kids? Do you expect it to maybe like, I think I know the mandate, at least from Drury's side, was get somebody who can get the most out of our Tammy Panera and Amika Sabinajad, and then also someone who can unlock Lafreniere and Kako. Kako, I think, has become a top-six player. I'm not as worried about him. Lafreniere, I'm still t- deadly worried about, as most Ranger fans are. So we're, how did Laviolette handle the kids in Washington, I guess is a roundabout way of asking this. So, again, his his um, instructions from, from being hired were was to, to coach this veteran-laden team, wring the last bit out of this OV era, you know, get us as far as you can with the guys that we're paying $8 million a year to. Right. That was his, those are his instructions. If you dig back a little further into Laviolette's um, uh, coaching tenure uh, past, you'll go back to Nashville, and he had some young players then, and he won with them. I mean, Philip Forsberg was a kid. I mean, he was in his young 20s. Roman Yossi was pretty young. Um, you Vic, know, Victor Arvidsson. Victor yep. Arvidsson was pretty young. Um, uh, so he's had young players that he's been able to develop. Um, those just that just wasn't his job at the time. Um, that wasn't in his job description when, when he was hired. You know that, that when they, when they had that uh, you know um, hiring you know inquire within sign like, like that was that was um, that was the mandate. So I I don't know I don't know that you can say that he was bad with the kids. 
I think that just wasn't at the top of his, you know, that wasn't on his radar. That just wasn't on the front burner. That wasn't what he was asked to do. Um, I will tell you that the kids were frustrated, however. Um, I mean, Connor McMichael was pretty frustrated by the time he got sent down. Um, um, there also weren't very many young players on the team to speak of last year. I mean, Alexei Protus was up for, for, for most of the year. Um, uh, so, you know, the, 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 there, weren't, there weren't the type the, – the young potential studs on the Capitals – don't compare. It's not apples and apples, uh, apples to apples, uh, with with you know the 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 Heedles and the Lafreniere's of the world. It, it, they're it, it's you can't really make a a straight comparison. So, I, I think if you're a Rangers fan, you've got to be heartened and maybe, um, uh, maybe hopeful that Laviolette can roll back the clock a little bit and and do what he did with Forsberg and Arvidsson and those guys early on in his. In his um, uh, tenure with Nashville, and you know, one one more point I want to make. I mean, Marty Faravari was pretty darn young. I think he's twenty three now, so he was twenty ish when when um, uh, Laviolette took over here in DC. He played the heck out of him. I mean, he played almost twenty minutes a night for for um, uh, for Laviolette. And so, I think if you show that you're ready, you know, maybe age doesn't make as big a difference. Yeah, it's always fun when the new coach comes in and people start being like, because I remember the entire narrative when Glant came in was, well, he did wonders for Ekblad, Ekblad, Barkov. He played all these young kids in Florida, so he'll surely do the same here in New York. And, you know, we experienced the last two years how we experienced them. It is what it is. The second key word you said, Tark, is systems. Uh, We are going through two years here where Glant's system, if you want to call it that, was essentially play heavy, play big, Get the puck out of the defensive zone. We don't really care how. And I'm going to trust my talented offensive players to do talented offensive things. That was essentially it. We've already seen the quotes from some people uh, giving the Rangers credit for bringing in a guy who is going to run a quote-unquote structured system. Now the question a Ranger fan would have is, what the hell is that? What should we expect? <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it's going to be hard to say right now because it's going to be malleable. And, and, and I use that word because Laviolette will adjust based on the personnel that he has. I mean, if, if you look at his previous stops, uh, you know, neutral zone is going to be a trap. I mean, he plays what, what my colleague at TNT, Darren Payne, calls the lobby lock. I mean, they, they are going to play a right wing lock most likely. But again, once he gets in and sees that, that personnel, I think – He's been around long enough and is experienced enough. He's going to make adjustments to what he's got. I mean, I I would say overall, I mean, it's it's an aggressive system that relies on on a heavy forecheck, forcing turn, you know, keeping that puck in the offensive zone as much as possible. Um, uh, You know, and then uh, the defensemen, you're going to notice that the defensemen are going to be pretty aggressive down the walls, you know, keeping plays alive. Um, You know, he wants to get offense from from the back end. Um, but again, I, I think like any any really high end good coach, like like I, I consider Laviolette one of those guys, you know, being eighth all time in in coaching wins in the league. You know, he's going to take a deep dive on the roster here over the next, you know, I'm sure he already has, and kind of figure out what he's got and what's the best way to deploy those players. And so, the best way to deploy the Rangers may not be the best way, um, might not have been the most efficient way that uh, to, to play the Capitals, right? So, I think. I think he's gonna. Um, I, I but but again, I, I I do think there's some core tenets to, that, that he's not going to change. And I think one of them is going to be going to be a lock, 
um, and and the D being aggressive when they're in the offensive end. I wonder if he said to himself, hmm, I have one right winger. He's 22 years old, Kabakako. <laughs> and then I have one puck-moving defenseman, but at least he's Norris Caliber and Adam Fox. So we'll figure it out for the rest from there. Like, we'll just we'll just go. Like, who knows? Uh, and he also has Igor Shosturkin, which I guess is um, quite helpful. The for great him. equalizer, right? I mean, when you have a goalie who can put uh, – who can make uh... – who can steal games for you on a nightly basis? I mean that that's that's the great equalizer, right? I we, can't believe I'm saying this. Steel might be underrated. Like he, <laughs> it's a heist what he does some nights. Uh, he he's unbelievable. I've watched it. I've watched it in DC. I've watched it in, in Madison Square Garden. I mean the 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 amount of stick slamming against the glass <laughs> when, when the Caps are getting beat by Justerkin at, at, at the Garden. It, it's it's a lot of frustration. It runs pretty high when you have a guy who just is that good. I mean, when he's on top of his game, he's arguably the best in the league, right? Well, he t- so that while we're on the Igor, Igor topic, not to mm-hmm. cut in Ryan, but to cut no, it because it's what I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Ryan and I throughout this entire coaching search, we were telling ourselves, regular season coach really doesn't matter. We're going to make the playoffs. We have Igor Shosturkin. If he's healthy, we're there. It's done. So our question has long been, what coach will be able to, as you say, be malleable or adjust on the fly in the playoffs when shit gets hairy. And you, what you're telling me... Are we allowed to curse? Oh, oh God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I said that from the beginning. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Dude, sorry. Yeah, this is a non-suitable for work podcast, big time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That, that, that's on... We thought Ryan Clark would have told you that. In, yeah, in the... no. <laughs> he did not mention that. No, Ryan's Ryan's pretty fucking good at not cursing on this podcast, but you can. Yeah. Uh, I love the scouting report, but I love it. Yeah, oh, okay. But, yeah, so our main concern was, are we going to be able to hire a head coach that when shit gets hairy, when Lindy Ruff all of a sudden starts using a different system in Game 3 of a playoff series, is he able to adjust? And yes. it sounds like you're telling me Laviolette is a guy capable of doing that. He is. I mean, um, again, there's not a whole lot that Peter Laviolette has not seen at this point in his career, right? I mean, he's he's won a championship. He's taken two other teams to the finals. Um, he's coached high-end players. He's coached teams that didn't have a lot of talent and had to grind out wins. Um, uh, again, you're not hiring a dude who's doing this for the first time. Like it, when it comes to adjustments, like it, he's he's coached, he's won and lost and coached every possible way there is to coach in the NHL. Um, so I wouldn't worry about that. Um, uh, again, I my when I first saw. That you know the Rangers were, were looking at Laviolette. Um, my first my first thought was, well, here's a guy whose history says he gets the most out of teams in his first year, and I feel like the Rangers are a team that is primed, that is ready right now to strike. And um, again, who knows what's going to happen next year? But it's a three it was a three year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, but as soon as Sullivan is available, uh, he's gone. That's just like that's the way I look at it. Is that the Rangers wanted Mike Sullivan? They they tried to get Rod two three years ago. Uh, Cooper's never leaving Tampa Bay, but if he did, the Dolan would be on the phone the second he was he was he left. And I wonder like th- there's a reason this search went on so long. It, it, the, the money doesn't matter to the Rangers, right? Like right. they don't care, man. Like Dolan doesn't care. He's yeah. he, the second someone is better than Laviolette or they feel as so he, he Laviolette could get fired like 60 games into this season and it would like, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter at all to Dolan's pockets he'd be like he'd be like should we fire him like yeah I hate him <laughs> like, get him out of here it's just it's just funny to think about the two conversations Dolan's having at the same time where Chris Jerry could come and be like 
hey, man, sorry to say, you might have to eat this $4.5 million contract with the coach, where the other half of the organization is like, hey, is it cool if we trade for the $60 million Bradley Beal? Is that all right for you? Is everything cool there? <laughs> like, it's just wow. the different, the different, like, the dichotomy James Dolan has to go through with his range of conversations and Nick conversations. Most hilarious thing I could possibly imagine. <laughs> I did not see the Bradley Beal deal coming yesterday, but I, I don't want to get sidetracked. You don't. Well, I'm just, I'm, I, I got ten minutes on that. If you, we're want. happy. That, we're happy the Knicks didn't do it. We'll put it that way. So I don't know if I'm happy. That price was so. He had to have said he wanted to go to Phoenix. He like, did. That's, that's the only thing I can think. He had of. all the control. He had all the control. He didn't. Yeah. He, had, he had no trade clause. Isn't it kind of funny that they all they hand out no they don't they don't hand out no movement clauses in the NBA? And but Bradley Beal's the, the only one in the NBA. How is there one in the NHL? Every like, I think I think seventeen Rangers have a no movement. Barclay Goodrow gets to dictate where he goes. <laughs> 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 Bradley Beal is one of one in the NBA, and Barclays guys, like here's guys, 15 teams I don't want to go to. Could you Sorry. imagine? Could you imagine if the NHL traded guys the way the NBA did? So LeBron, dude, please. But LeBron and Oki <laughs> and and uh, and Crosby all came into the pros around the same time. I mean, yep. Ovi would have already changed teams like four times. Crosby would have changed teams three or four times. They might have played together at some point somewhere. <laughs> like like it might have been the Ovi Crosby show in Arizona for a year. Like. Somehow. It'd be fun though. The NHL has to get to that, man. We're we're getting close. Let's let's all appreciate that Damon Severson was a technical sign and trade. Like that that that's a step in the right direction. That's I, I, at least moving raise ball my forward. eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Second one in two years. I mean, second time for everything, right, guys? Right. Uh, yeah, the NHL has some work to do. Um, well, what was it like? This is something that's really important to us. Covering Gerard Gallant made us. Immediately, we're like, this is the biggest liar we've ever met in our life. The guy, the guy was, I mean, a bona fide, certified liar all the time about everything. He didn't throw his players under the bus, but he sure didn't take accountability either. What was Peter Lobby like, like, like covering him? Like, what is he like on the day to day? So I like him. Uh, he's a he's a warm guy who, um, uh, you know, wants to know about you, and and he's he's he's. He's more aware of what you're saying about him and about his team than he might let on. Um, like he's not going to be friendly, but um, uh, you know, I have I have a son who plays hockey. He would ask how he was doing every once in a while. Like he was a he was a he was a nice guy. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this: when when he, when he got when when he you know when when there was the mutual parting of ways, you know, I've covered this league now for more than twenty years. I mean, sometimes you just that's it. Like you'll never see that. Co- Next time you see that coach, he's going to be coaching another team. You know, reached out. He got back. He was like, "Yeah, I'll talk about it." I mean, that was not through the Capitals. That was through him. You know that that was that was him feeling he needed to give the local beat writer some um, you know, some closure on this. You know, he wanted to speak to the fans. He wanted to explain from his perspective what went down. That's a stand up guy to me, right? I mean, he didn't have to call back after he he no longer was an employee for the Capitals, right? Right. There wasn't a whole lot for him to to, to gain other than I guess he probably wanted to put his name back out there. I'm, I'm sure there was a little bit of um, um, uh, motivation uh, from that standpoint uh, with him calling back but uh, you know he, he talked for 20 minutes and explained from his perspective where things went wrong and what he wanted to do next and you know um uh i, I would say he he never hides uh he, like like there's no you know how he felt about a game he doesn't hide his emotions he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve to a certain extent like he doesn't he doesn't like rip his players at all ever. You'll never get him to go. Yeah, well, Alexis should have fucking should have passed that puck. Or, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't. We can't make the turnover there. He protects his players. He does not. He will not rip his players. 
but you can tell by his face when he walks into the media media room after a game whether he thought it was a a solid win, a win they probably didn't deserve, or oof, that was bad. We got work to do. You know, like you can tell from his face. Now, um, you know he'll he'll take he'll take accountability. He'll blame he'll point at himself if if he feels like um um he could have been better that night. Um, uh, I mean personally, I I had good interactions with him. I'll 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 put it that way. I he doesn't give you a ton. Like I said, he protects his players. Like he's not really going to give you a lot. Like he's not going to fill up your notebook, but he'll give you enough. He'll give you enough to write an interesting story. Um, and again, after three years, I didn't have to really – like like you almost kind of knew based on how red his face was when he walked in after a loss. Like where – where to, you know, what to ask about, you know, whether you were going to get a lot from him or, or a little – um, uh, he's an open book in terms of how he looks when he walks in that room. I always read his face. I tried to get a look at him right when he walked in. That kind of gave me a feel for the line of questions that night. And, and you know, whether whether I was going to be beating my head against the wall or maybe he was in the mood to, to you know, break things down. I would say at least 77% of criticism from fans and us, quite frankly, we'll, we'll put our hand up to, simply boils down to the rate retreadedness of Peter Laviolette. He's coached just about every team in the Metro, but like what Columbus, New Jersey. I don't know. He's checked a lot of boxes. He's been with a lot of teams. He's been around the block. And I think quite frankly, there's a portion of the fan base and a portion of all NHL fans that are flat out bored with guys like Peter Laviolette getting jobs at this point. I I don't know. What, what's your opinion on whether, was there a better candidate the Rangers could have gotten? Is this a solid hire? Was this the best guy available in your eyes? I'm always curious to ask just what a previous guy, a guy who's covered a coach previously is now seeing that coach go somewhere else. What your opinion is, what your gut instinct says in terms of a coach getting in, in Laviolette's case, what is this? His eighth stop. I think something like that, at least at I, read somewhere, I think I read somewhere. He's the only coach who's coached the Rangers and the Islanders. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, not, not, that's, that's, you know, a little, uh, <laughs> so he's just been around forever. He's been around forever. I, I, I think that's that's kind of instructive of how long he's been coaching. So, to answer your question, it made a lot of sense to me. Like when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." And then what what worried what what confused me though was there was like reports that he it was the Rangers were zeroing in on Laviolette, and then things went quiet for like what two or three weeks. About like, four. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Heinz popped up at the last second Hines as well. Up, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And that's what made me kind of think that okay, maybe he wasn't. You know, they weren't enamored, and maybe they wanted to see what else was out there, which kind of feels like that's what it was about. They wanted Keith or Sullivan or Quenville if he got reinstated. Guys, guys, I mean, in my opinion, when you have a team like the Rangers that is primed to win right now, you don't want to go with Young. You don't want to go with. I mean, like the Capitals went with Spencer Carberry because they're not in a rebuild, but they're going to be retooling. They want him to grow up. They they also gave him a four-year contract. They want him to grow up and grow into that role with this team as it retools and reloads and gets younger. And so that in years three and four, you know, they're they're all on the same page. And, you know, the, the 22-year-old guys are 25-year-old guys now. And, you know, the older guys have moved on. And they're ready to maybe contend for, for you know, have a few years of, of contention, right? And I feel like with a team like the Rangers is ready to win right now, you want someone who's proven, who has track record, who has gra- uh, gravitas, so who can walk into the room and say, all right, boys, here's how we're going to do things. Um, 
uh, we're on the ice in 10 minutes. You know, here's my, here, here's my expectations. Let's go do it. And, and I feel like Laviolette is kind of that, kind of that guy at this moment. Um, um, when you look at this team's trajectory, I mean, if they were a younger team that was kind of looking for its, you know, looking for its way still, then, okay, maybe you go with a younger, fresh, you know, fresh ideas, younger guy, but, you know, I, I feel like the Rangers are on the cusp. They're right there. They're right there. They're ready to win now. This is their window. Their window is as open right now as it's going to be. They want someone who has who has the experience and the know-how. He knows what it looks like. He knows what it sounds like. He's been there before. And, uh, you know, he's going to be able to make adjustments. And, you know, a, a bad December is not going to derail the season because he knows how to – you know, he's he's been there and done it. And, um, uh, again, I, I know I've already said this a couple times. I His history says that first year is going to be the Rangers' best opportunity of making a long run. He makes – he makes he gets teams to buy in right away, and they're usually at their best in that first year. I know. I know. I just get so – I get so frustrated sometimes when it's like yeah, – when people say, yeah, he won a cup. And I was like, he won a cup when my favorite Met was Xavier Nady. Like that, that is just so long ago <laughs> that I don't even know how to process so- it. So, 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 Greg. So, like, of the young guys out there, and I think they, they, they were one of the teams that was in on Carberry, right? The Rangers. I they, think. they interviewed him, but we, I, I feel like all of us knew where Carberry was going before it even went there. That is true. That is. The, the, we all knew. We, we all knew. I mean, they, it, and apparently, by the way, Jay Leach said he was like the Rangers were ready for him, but Leach wasn't ready for the Rangers. That it was that <laughs> to me. Yeah, but that to me just sounds like a story Jay Leach put out there. Where yes. <laughs> you, you can, there are some stories you can sniff out where it was like, you know, they offered me the job, but I said no. Motherfucker, if the New York Rangers offered you a head coaching job, you know what you're doing? Coaching the New York Rangers. I'm very, very confident in that. But I, I, I would agree with that. But also, you know, guys, I mean, the New York media market, again, there's going to be a lot of spotlight on this team this year because they're, they're, they feel like the people around the league feel like they're primed and ready to win right now. Laviolette can handle that pressure. He can handle a hard a hardball question from Larry Brooks, chin high after a bad loss. <laughs> he will be getting them, so that's oh, yeah. good. <laughs> and, and I love Larry, and and, and he he'll we know, do too. He'll know how to handle that. Um, um, I don't know if if a if a first year guy would was was the answer this time. I, I, I and and to answer your other question, I, I think Greg, you answered you asked this about my feeling about retreads. I mean, retreads have a history. I have a track record of success too, right? I mean, it's. It's it, it's not like you know um, this year's Final Four didn't have a bunch of retreads in it. I mean, <laughs> it did. Ryan Ryan and I did, we went through the thing where like the Rangers. The worst thing that happened to the Rangers is they made an Eastern Conference Final last year because if it just went belly up against the Penguins and a third string goalie in the first round, maybe possibly sure. in some scenario Bruce Cassidy is coaching the New York Rangers, and then who the hell knows what happens. I'll say that not all retreads are built equally. But I see guys like John Capuano get interviews simply because they have experience, and it drives me up a wall. Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, as long as the retread has ha- has a has a record of success, I, I I'm okay with that, man. I mean, you know, um, um, you you take a little bit, you learn a little bit from each stop. You know, I I have a friend who's a CEO of of a of a big company. We were talking about retreads the other day, and he said he said, you know, I have to make pretty high profile hires and. I'm not hiring anyone for the first time to run a department. Like I'll let someone else do that. I'll hire him. I'll hire him after he's already done it for five years. I want him after he has experience doing it. 
I'll let I'll let a smaller company hire a dude for the first time in a high profile um, position. And I was like, hmm, okay. And you know, the, the more you talk to owners and management, you know, it, it they are risk averse. I mean, they they really are. Like 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 they want someone who can come in and say, I've done it year in and year out. I've got a winning record. I'm eighth in all time wins. I looked at your roster and here's how I would do things. Um. And again, you know, getting back to where this team is in in its trajectory. I mean, they are ready to win right now, and they got a coach who's done it, who's won. And is it going to work? I don't know. I don't know, dude. It's impossible to win in the NHL. Like, you, if you win in the NHL, you also have seventeen broken bones. Like, that's that's <laughs> every single team goes through this grueling playoff run, and then they can't do it the next year I, because. I'll, I'll tell you, Ryan, that's an incredible point, man. I I covered hockey for for. 15 years before I was the beat writer of a team that won it all and to watch a team go through what it takes and all the the things you can't control and the variables that happen the overtime wins where the puck hit a skate the the referee missed the tripping call in that second OT the the uh you know you stayed in you stayed relatively injury free when you know the 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 team that you're playing suffered a big injury. You well, played in the West. Their, their second line, <laughs> you're right. Their second line center went out. Also, I mean, sometimes it's matchups. You know, like after the Capitals got by, got by um, uh, Columbus in the first round. Yeah, they had to get through Tampa, but like it, it felt like the seas were parting a little bit. I was like, all right, that was only that was only the first round, and they came back from an O2 deficit. But like you can see the Stanley Cup, you can see the pathway to the Stanley Cup final now. And so there's just so many things that go into making a long run. I mean, you could have the best team and a coach that's ready to do it. And then, you know, the puck doesn't go in. It's that's it's, it. it's played on ice, man. It's the most random of <laughs> it's the most random of the four sport of the four. Man on blades, skates with stick. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. That's why we watch it. Um Tark, you've been incredibly gracious with your time. I do have one final question on yeah. my end. Um Drug line had a lot of ticks, and the Rangers organization has a lot of ticks, such as they won't play defensemen on their offhands. Uh, he didn't touch power play one outside of one time last year for the entirety of it. Even when he got Patrick Kane, he knocked Vlad Tarasenko, ever heard of him, off that first pa- power play and never really gave it a shot, even when it was struggling. What is the weird tick that Laviolette has that we can look out for? Like David Quinn before him, we called it the David Quinn blender. Every single night, the lines were different. Or actually, five minutes into the game, they were different. And same thing with Glant, where... No offhand defenseman. Defensive pairs never change. Offensive lines always change, and power play one never changes. What's the thing we look out for with Laviolette? I, I would say if Kevin McCarthy he, he hasn't named any assistants yet. He has not yet. They're they're looking into it, but McCarthy is rumored to be one of them. Yes. Okay, so let me tell you a little story about Kevin McCarthy. He was pretty close to retiring. It's my understanding last time, and Laviolette had to talk him into coming with him. Mm, round soon. two. So, so let's see what happens there. He's you know he's a little older now. I, I like dealing with him. He, he was he was a pretty cool guy. He is very he he finds his six defensemen at the start of the year preseason, and they roll with those six dudes until there's an injury or something is really really off and has to be reset. Um, so that's one thing I w- would look out for. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, Lavillette will 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 put the lines into a blender, but he doesn't do it quickly like 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 he 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 gives he gives lines every opportunity to do a self-correction 
even in-game, until it's like, all right, that really is not working tonight, and then he changes it up. And then whatever, however, the, however the lines end that game, that's how it's going to start the next game, almost, almost to a T. Um, uh, this past year, you know, he'll, he'll tell you, he'll probably say, oh, you know what? Um, you know, I, I don't want to tire out my goalies. I'm, I'm going to you know, leave it up to the goalie coach. He, he rode Darcy Kemper when he was healthy. I, I would imagine, I mean, this, this is not breaking news here, but I bet Igor Shosturkin is going to play a lot. He likes going with a number one, and he kind of stays, he kind of rides that number one. So those are a couple of things. I mean... Power play, it's you know, it's different in DC because the power play is built around one guy. The great eight who, 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 stand, who stands in that one spot and shoots the puck from that one area, and it still goes in every single time. Don't know uh, how, but yes, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's going to be a little different, um, which you know, kind of, you know, as we're, while we're talking about the the Capitals' power play, which is why the power play is just it's so hard to coach there. Is because I mean, are you really going to tell the best to ever do it? You're you got to move because it's not working <laughs> right now. No, he's going to go. No, I'm not moving. This is where I stand. This is where Ovi stands. And then you got to kind of figure it out, you know, uh, uh, around that guy. So, um, uh, I mean, so I, I would say, I would say, you know, he gives guys every chance to kind of self-correct and get themselves out of a rut before before he makes before he makes a change. And if I had to guess, guys, he's going to show a little bit more leeway with the veterans, like they're going to get a little more leash than under twenty-five guys. Um, well. Not a shocker. Uh, wonderful. Uh, last one for me. Um, with Gallant, we, we, we understood his ticks, but we also understood there was a body type he really liked. Uh, Gallant is a big, loves himself a meaty, thick, defensive-minded defenseman oh, in his oh. bottom pair. Like, we, a lot of Jared Tenorti, a lot of Ben Harper, a lot of Nico Mikola. You just knew that he had a body type he liked on his bottom pair. Are there any of those quirks? With Laviolette, the Rangers don't have a lot of cap space to do a lot of things. But if I all of a sudden see someone sign for league minimum or seven hundred seventy-five thousand or a PTO, do I have to have my spidey senses up for a certain type of player that Laviolette's going to be like? That's my dude. He does like heavy guys. He likes guys who finish their checks. Um, I, I would say the size thing, you know, the Capitals are typically the biggest team in the league or one of the biggest teams in the league, but that comes from Brian McClellan, the general manager, who's also a big guy himself and played big when, when he was, was playing many, many years ago. So, um, uh, I, I wouldn't say size would be a calling card for, for, um, uh, Laviolette, but I would say this, um, if the mandate and the instruction is to play the older guys and the heck with development, you know, they've added, the Capitals added a lot of 30-somethings and 29-somethings in free agency. So maybe, I mean, look, you know, getting back to what I said at the start, I mean, if, if that's if that's how they want, Drury wants him to, to coach this team, you know, I, I think Laviolette prefers putting guys over the wall that he knows have experience and you know the the delta between a good game and a bad game for a young player is usually pretty big. With a to, better, with a thirty something, it's usually pretty small. Now that 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 thirty something, his ceiling might not be as high as that twenty two year old, but that twenty two year old's going to f around a lot and have some bad nights. And that thirty year old, while not great, he's going to give you the same effort every single night because he's figured it out, right? And I would say he leans towards, especially if that's his mandate. He's going to lean towards 
guys that he can trust and he knows. And, you know, a perfect example of that guy was, was Matt Irwin last year, 34-year-old journey defenseman, journeyman defenseman who played for, for Laviolette in, um, in uh, uh, Nashville before he came to D.C., and there were some times late in the year where it looked like the season was kind of it was kind of done. Okay, it was going to take a miracle to get in the playoffs, and he was playing over a prospect who needed some ice time. You know, that kind of made you raise your eyebrow a little bit. But you know, I mean, he mathematically they were still in it. He was try, still trying to win, and so he went with the thirty-four-year-old Matt Irwin because he doesn't throw pizzas up the middle. You know, like he might not be able to skate it end to end. He might not have the offense of 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 Alex Alexiev, but he also doesn't make the mistakes, right? So I would say that'd be another calling card that I would watch out for. It would be, you know, if if that's how Drury wants him to coach his team, he's gonna he's gonna lean lean harder on his on his veterans. Tark, can't thank you enough for the time. I know we went like yeah. I don't know fifteen minutes over here, but I feel oh, like I, we can do yeah. we could do another hour if we really wanted. Man. Oh yeah, we got plenty <laughs> to plenty to do. Um, you want to pitch anything? You're pitch, Jesus Christ! Uh, my day job coming into play here. Do you want do you want to plug anything you're doing? Um, I you know I'll be working on some some draft preview stuff for the athletic here in the next few days, and then um off to Nashville. So, um, it's all is Mitch Kopp going to force his way to the Washington Capitals. So, <laughs> funny, as we're talking, a hockey dad friend of mine has been texting me nonstop on my other device uh, about that very thing. Yeah, no, I would if I was a Washington <laughs> Capitals fan, it would all I'd be doing right now. <laughs> well, well, that that and Logan Cooley, right? Those are the two guys that seem to be like Washington all the way right now. Cooley well, grew up a Capitals fan and doesn't seem no, like no, he wants no, to sign no, in Arizona. Cooley's, Cooley's already drafted; he was Arizona last, right? Year. But I, like. Why wouldn't he oh. force his way to Washington in a trade? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. I see what yeah. you're saying. You know, uh, funny thing is my kid actually played against Logan Cooley. That They were in the same birth year. So I, the first time I saw Logan Cooley, funny story here, they might have been 12 years old. And this little kind of guy who skates looked like they were too big for his feet comes racing down the wall, beats someone along the wall, and then goes short side crossbar down from like 30 feet out. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah that's a pro. You just, <laughs> it's, I'm like, look at the roster. Who was that? Yeah, it's it's oh, so funny. Oh, it, never heard of him. That, the, that was pretty the, impressive. The the guys who become pros really stand out of the you first time. Early, man. I stood in, I stood in the box once against Matt Harvey in high school, and I saw ninety plus, and I was like, cool. See you in the majors. I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm not doing this shit. You fuck it. If yeah. you throw a curveball, I'm shit in my pants, man. Forget it. Yeah, so so my kids in 04, so I so I've seen you know um, Connor Bedard, who's a year a year younger, but was played up one time, and I've seen Adam Fantilli. You're right, man. At like 12, 13, like you are, you can already you just, see. You just trait. know, like they, they're see. just they are literally they built different. They look different. Yeah, unbelievable, dude. Thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Of course, thanks, guys. And we're back. Before <laughs> before you start listing off five stars, mm-hmm. I thought of a question in the moment that I need to ask you. Okay. So we get blamed for Jack Eichel not coming here with the billboard. Yes, we do. <laughs> do you think the reason why the Rangers didn't extend Ryan Strom is because on the pod he came on the podcast during COVID? Fuck, this is a good question. Do you think that came up in negotiations where Strom's like, I would love to stay, and someone said, you talk to Blue Shirts Breakaway. You cannot stay. I don't think it was you talked to Blue Shirts Breakaway, you cannot say, but I do think they were in that big meeting room with the long table uh-huh. that you've seen Drury sit out at the beginning where he has his elbows on it, mm-hmm. and they just brought up like one guy on the side goes, yeah, he did go on that podcast one time without checking with PR, and, <laughs> and, and Drury goes, he did what? <laughs> well, that's, that's it, you're done. Get the fuck out. That's kind of it. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is I'm just saying. 
I think Ryan Strom's still a good hockey player. I think he would think be fine. I think he's fine. I don't think the Rangers should have ever signed him for a five-year deal. What about a seven? It's a true check. <laughs> Ryan Strom, another guy we would have encouraged to sign a long-term contract, though. Yeah, no, that's not it. Uh, my five-star question to you is which Ranger gives the Wild Bill speech? You know, I've been avoiding it just because... Can I tell you why I've avoided the Wild Bill speech? What I got that? really tired of every NHL insider fake newsbreaker guy saying, wow, this is the greatest speech of all time. It's I not. was like, I'm fucking good. I don't need to watch it. I don't know it, why you're hyping it up like this. Now I don't care. It's super funny, but it's not. Was it not, drunk European in Vegas that was shirtless saying words? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I got better from that with Nikola Jokic. That's fair. Jokic, the Jokic quotes were Jokic, all time. Jokic, Jokic from the end of the game to the parade itself where he's like, I don't want to go to this parade. And then he's like, this is the best moment of my life. I never want it to end. Um, that's it's a bigger story. That guy, I just, I, I've been just trying to FaceTime horses ever since then. Who hasn't? Uh, let's leave, let's, <laughs> who hasn't? Let's um, read some five-star questions. If you want to read a five-star question, go to the Discord. Sometimes people send me these other if places. If you want to read a five-star question. Oh my God. If you want to leave a five-star question. There you go. Now you got it. Go to the Discord, sign up to the Patreon. Sometimes I get messages at other places that say, I want to leave a five-star and I can't. I, mm. I only read out the Discord. So maybe I'll make a doc this week and actually be a good host. Maybe I'll do that. Um, anyway, live La Vie de Loca. Ah, I see. Like La Violette. How many, think, how many years do you think La Violette will be the Rangers head coach? Two? I think two. The, the only way he's here longer than two, it would be multiple Eastern Conference finals without a cup or he won a cup. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get to us more than one Eastern, ah. mm, I don't know. Right, like, well, let's let's, <laughs> let's walk through know. this. What's the scenario in which he gets fired this year? If they miss the playoffs, they miss the playoffs. He's gone. Period. If they lose in the first round, he gets a second year. If he loses in the first round, and in, the Rangers only have we're, one we're, win we're, or less, we're under operating under a full healthy team scenario here. Right. Igor, Igor is healthy. Panarin he, and Mika are healthy. Ed Fox. And Fox, correct. If the big four are healthy and he loses in the first round this year, he gets a second year? He only gets a second year if he gets to, like, game seven. So if he gets swept, no chance. Swept or one win, no chance. He's out. So then if he makes it to year two, if he doesn't improve on what he did from the year before, definitely fired. So a second first-round exit, he's fired. But if he gets to year two and hasn't made an Eastern Conference final, is he fired? Yes. Okay. I think it's a two-year deal no matter what. I think there's a scenario in which he gets a third year. Um, one, he has to be a good soldier, which I think he can be. Two, he has to make an Eastern Conference final minimum in his first two years. Right. Uh, and I really think those are like – those are it. I don't think – I think if he doesn't reach a final in his first two years, he's gone. Yeah, or if anybody else becomes available that the Rangers I, really want. I do want to make it clear. While that sounds harsh to say out loud – as a fan of the New York Mets, I think those are great standards. The host, the those are people. incredible standards. Man, it is so nice being a fan of a team where I'm like, boy, if this guy isn't one of the last four standing, you should get fucking fired. Yeah. I, think, I think that's fantastic. As uh, it's, it's really good places to be. Like, when that's what you're talking about, that, that means you hold your franchise. Like, if you said that about the Knicks, like, think about saying this about Tom Thibodeau. Hey, if Tom Thibodeau doesn't make the Easter Conference Finals, he's out of here. Okay, well, we're going to fire every coach every year. 
<laughs> like, yeah, that's like I'm looking at the Mets this year, and I'm really saying stuff like, oh, it's not Buck's fault. Like, I make excuses for people when I'm talking about the Mets, except the players. Max Scherzer can eat a shit. Uh, <laughs> same goes for Verlander. I hope he's getting plenty. I, I hope Kate, Up- Kate Upton can do better. Right? What do we see in Justin Verlander? How hung must he be? <laughs> he has some Cy Youngs, so congratulations. Oh, yeah, they're hanging. Comeback player of the year, Justin Verlander. Well, there's a joke there. Um, oh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, the this, truth. This next question, I, I almost want to do as a BSBOT, so you let me know what you think. Oh, uh, jeez. I saved the question for the offseason fodder. Mm-hmm. What are your top five wins slash moments? Who asked of, this question? This is from Adam Furlong. Okay. Good question asker. Well, what are I your just top think five? you should give him the credit for asking the question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what are your top five moments slash wins of recent Rangers error? This is arbitrary, but it will define recent as torts 2009 to present. You can alternatively make it in the AV era to present. Uh, I don't think it should be an OT because I don't know if I can get the five. You know how that's not great, right? No, because it's the step on game. It's step on. It's Marty on Mother's Day. It's game seven. Versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. I see. I don't think that's memorable. I think the Panarin goal is memorable. I don't remember shit about the game. For me, it's also. Uh, I, I think from my, you got to put the Mika five goal game just before COVID killed all of us. Yeah, and I think it's Heedle scoring. It's the Hurricanes where Ray goes. Never mind. Yeah, I also also the the nine zero game versus the Philadelphia Flyers. That's good. When we beat them seventeen to three in two days, I remember yes, that vividly. That, that's pretty uh, good. I think for me, it's Stepan, it's Marty, um, it's I. <laughs> the most memorable game for me against the, the the Canadians on the way to the Cup is Tanner Glass going top shelf. So I'm going to put him in there. Uh, That's I one think, of my favorite moments in hockey history. I think it's Mika's five goal game, even though that was a regular season game. It was just so fucking nuts. It was insane. I was getting our taxes done. That sucks. And then, if I had to think of a fifth. I really don't think the Penguins you don't think the game heat'll, seven. The Heatle never mind goal. This is no, that's an amazing because goal. Because the game again, it's an amazing goal, but it's like the moment within the game. Like I personally think the shift. It was a different game. It was against the Lightning. The shift happened. That's a great moment. I don't consider that a great game. Um, I I like the game against the Penguins where Igor sends the puck down right to the blue line, drops perfectly, and then Kreider and Mika end up scoring. You know what's funny? You know what's actually my fifth most memorable game. Ben Harper? When, no, when Georgiev <laughs> turned Super Saiyan against the Hurricanes. Actually, <laughs> the Georgiev game is up there. Yeah, because I just remember how fucking funny it was to come on the podcast the next day, and you and I were essentially just laughing. For He faced like 50 shots. I think it was 53, and yeah. it was unbelievable. He was incredible. I just... I'm always, every time the name Alexander Georgiev is going to come up, I'm going to be like, the Rangers should have traded him a long time ago. But he also had that weird game against the Hurricanes. I'm never going to forget. All right. I think we've done a good job with this. Billy Rotz asks, since the team so often trade for or sign players that coaches like, what are the chances the York Rangers pick up one of Lav's guys, given the cap situation? And if yes, who could that be? I'm not sure who Lav's guys are. Well, uh, <laughs> this is a tough question to answer. This one alert, we haven't done the interview yet. Uh, yes, you're you're hearing this podcast. Ah, this is the magic of audio. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to say that guy Tariq mentioned absolutely. Yeah, I, I I agree. The whole point of this is you're supposed to bring in the coach that matches the model you want to build as an organization. So it's less about finding a lav guy, and you're supposed to hire the coach where the coach will use the Drury guys. That's the true uh, 
Oh, God. Now, Ryan, I can't think of fucking words. Next question. This is from Cole. No, I want to think of the word. It's not symmetry, but it's kind of like symmetry. Uh, cohesion? Let's yeah. Let's go cohesion. Yeah, cohesion. The You're not supposed to bring guys in that are supposed to be the guys for your coach. You're supposed to bring guys in that are your front office's guys and the coach utilizes in the way the front office wants them to be utilized. It's from Cole Heathay. Seeing how every player plays with at least five different injuries during the playoffs. How many do you think you'd be able to play through? And is there one specific injury that gets, if sustained, <laughs> game over? Yes, a broken sternum would end me. Yeah, I, I'm i tired of I'm tired, people period. being like, wow, Warriors. Um, no, man. Like, I know Cup Glory. I get it. Like, I saw the Mark Stone might have to play the rest of his career through, like, day-to-day situations. Dude. Like, if you're I, not... But you I, got I understand, it. on one hand, I understand the mindset where if you take Aaron Ekblad and his broken foot out of the lineup, you're probably not winning the cup. At the same time, if you're asking Aaron Ekblad to play with a broken foot, you're probably not winning the cup. So we we, we, went, through this last, we went through this last year. I mean, yeah, McDonough is the example. But um, when Panarin was trying to play through a back, or better example, Strong trying to play through what had to have been a torn groin, yes. you, you're not getting... I know Ryan Strom at full health is better than Johnny Brzezinski. I get that. But if he's trying to play through a torn groin, I'd rather Johnny Brzezinski. Just because at least Brzezinski gives you the opportunity of something great and magical, and you're not asking a player to fuck his entire career up. I, I'm so tired of hockey fans trotting out this guy playing through. Who's the guy that played through? Is it all Ekblad that also had two separated shoulders? I forget who it was, but yeah, I think so. I think so. It, that's inhumane. Stop it. Have a different defenseman you can put in the lineup and just try. I, if Max Scherzer blows out his elbow in a playoff game, you know what I don't want Max Scherzer doing? Pitching anymore. You know what I hope he stops doing right now? Pitching. He stinks. But I, I just, I'm so tired of hockey fans using guys playing through catastrophic. Matt Kachuk is getting dressed by Brady Kachuk because he can't do it himself. You want him to play hockey? He's 24 years old, man. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Taking years off his life. Fuck <laughs> hockey. It's not that important. It, it's important, and playing for your teammates is important. Not that important. That's what I'm about to say. Like, playing through a broken sternum, like, there, there's there's being a warrior and toughing it out and having pain tolerance, and, and there are things you can play through. There's a difference between playing a, hurt a and playing injured. <laughs> Guys, what are we doing? There's a huge difference between playing hurt and injured. Yes. Matthew Kachuk was injured. He should not have been playing. I'm with you. Um... Oh, but to answer the question, could I play through an injury? No. I couldn't podcast through an injury. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, no, that's a lie. I did podcast through an injury. It's one of the best podcasts we've ever done. The hamstring episode. This is from Nick D, and we'll go really quick on this one. When we win the cup next season, okay, we (laughs) will feel like go down as the best coach in Raider history. Uh, I got got news for you. Uh, There is, like, that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. Like, Keith, what's his name? I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. In our lifetime, who would you say is the best coach in Raider history? I don't even know who it is. It's like torts. I what do we do? I think it's eh. Torts is the coach I had the le- the least amount of negative opinions of. I think it's Torts because he built what uh, a Mignot took Torts' structure and just improved on it. But shouldn't listen? I am the chairman and a hater president. of the year award for Alain Mignot. Yes. Yeah, I hate him. I do think Vigneault got more out of that roster. Like Torts reached his ceiling, yep. and the Rangers. Understood the change was it. correct. I man, it just ended so poorly for Vino that I can't say Vino, but it might be Vino. It's either Vino really or Torts in our lifetime. Two, those two years, Vino, when he got to the cup and then should have gotten to a second cup, 
but Matt Zuccarello was unable to talk because he got hit in the head by a puck. Those are probably the those two years the Rangers probably should have been champions. Like, there's no other way to put it. There's no other way. So just... I think it might be Vino. I think he might be the guy. But I think that says more to the inability of the Rangers to hire a coach I, I even I, remotely like. I legitimately don't think like we would look at Laviolette as a legendary coach if they won the cup. Then again, if you ask me this question about the Mets, I think I say Bobby Valentine, but you'd be shocked how high Terry Collins is on that list. It's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is from Matty Jack. Is Lafreniere getting traded? I don't think no, so. No. I don't think so. Love you, Again, Matt. I... The guy you want to trade Lafreniere for, you can't afford. So why are you trading Lafreniere? If he does, we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, this is from Brettley. Greg, can I have 60 seconds on the Diamondbacks? Boy, they're good. Uh, I think we said, if I remember correctly, on the Over Under podcast, there are two teams, the group of four that I did that show with, Aaron, Bear, and mm-hmm. Spath. And I think Valley was there. It might have been a group of five. Um, we identified the Reds and the Diamondbacks as the two teams where we couldn't decide if this was their – coming of age year where it's maybe a year too early, but they're going to be a force soon. Diamondbacks, they're just a fucking force. I, I think the a lot pitching, of speed. I think the pitching is the surprising part. I always knew Gallon could do this. Yep. But it's the everything else that I we all knew they had bats coming up through that system. Uh we all were on the Corbin Carroll train for years upon years. I don't think any of us expected him to be this fucking good this early. No, how could you? That's not, that's not Especially fair. coming off shoulder surgery. That's enough. not fair. You can't do that. But I, the pitching to me is shocking how strong it is top to bottom. Yeah, meanwhile, the rest of that division, which is supposed to be a powerhouse, is very much struggling. The Padres and I, and the I don't know why we always – like the Giants had that one year where they won 101 games or 108 games, however many games it was, with a team that was extremely meh, and now they've just been what they should have been the entire time. Yep. At what point do we just admit the Giants, like, their offense stinks? It stinks. It stinks. They, they were very good. They won three titles. Again, I would die for a third of that success. No, but that team was very different, and that team was really good. That team had pitching and the best catcher in baseball. When's That's the last time different. the Giants graduated an offensive hitting prospect worth a damn? There's the, the only one I can think of hasn't even graduated yet. I think he graduated this week. That's Luis Matos. That's it. Yeah, like... Heloit Ramos didn't turn into a guy. As no. a guy that invested a lot of time in Joey Bart, he fucking sucks. He is not good. Uh, like, they they haven't been able to like – Mike Yastrzemski is the best guy they've graduated in the last seven years. And he's just a fine second division starting outfielder. Uh, Jets Rangers asked a shit ton of questions this oh, week. Buddy. So I'm all going to ask – I'm all going to read one. I'm sorry. Considering the captain asks we went through, the short-term ramifications, and the roster that the long-term effect has clearly good players, i.e. Fox, and our system, i.e. the power play, plus the fact that we now know that he was damaged goods, can we say Kane was the worst trade that Drury has made as a GM, even worse than the Booch trade? We cannot. Guys, I think we, you and I talk about this a lot. You have to, trade, you have to value the trade at the time, yep. not how the results got, go. It's a good trade. On they paper. also they, they didn't give up anything for Kane. They didn't give up first round pick because they lost. The Bucci trade is disgusting. Dude, come on. We can't even talk about this. I'm not re- reiterating the Bucci trade again. No, but it, I think it's just important again to re- reiter- uh, reiterate. Reiterate. Yes. Boy, Ryan. Tough day Ooh, for Greg. Tough day. Tough. Uh, it's important to reiterate. I, I understand the people that years down the road say, oh, you can't pronounce a winner and a loser the day of the trade. I disagree in- entirely. You understand both teams' motivations the day of the trade. You should be able to pronounce winner or loser, regardless of how those players progress. The Rangers gave nothing up for Kane. They didn't give up a rostered player that of any significance. They didn't give up a first-round pick. They gave up nothing. Whether they should have made the Kane trade or not, that's a completely different argument. In a vacuum, the trade itself, 
superfluous, sure, gave up nothing of value. And again, in a vacuum, the Booch trade, you can say it made sense from the mindset of we were getting Eichel. At the same time, it's such a misjudgment to press except on that one first when you didn't have the Eichel trade done. So, no, the Booch trade is horrific. (laughs) It's really bad. And again, the the other thing that makes the Booch trade bad is the Rangers could have afforded Booch. They could have just taken it into arbitration, signed him to a one-year deal, played him one year with Eichel, and moved this puck down the road. And they didn't. They said, yeah. no, no, we have to trade this guy right now in order to get Jack Eichel when they didn't have Jack Eichel. The second Booch signed, like, what is it, $5.5 million over a four-years deal? It was one of the best contracts in the NHL. Yeah, it's just everything about Booch was such a miscalculation and an incorrect decision. Again, like... It's one thing if you feel like you had to move Booch in order to afford Eichel, but the beauty of the NHL CBA is you get Eichel first, then you trade Booch. That trust me, the Blues would have been like, "Cool, man, do your business. We'll wait." They were in no hurry for you to fucking accept that. They trade. weren't even. They weren't even the one that initiated it. No, the Rangers Drury, initiated. Drury it. called them and said, "We want Sammy Blay in a second. The Blues were like, "How'd you get this number?" <laughs> uh, final question. This is from David and NY. Now that the NHL season is over, what's one assumption you held about the game that was proven wrong this year? Now the regular season is over, like the, the National Hockey League? Yeah, now that the, you know, that the cup is finished. Now that it's, the cup is finished, what's one assumption you held about the game of hockey that was proven wrong? Well, we said whichever team in the East beat the Bruins would essentially win the Stanley Cup and the Panthers oh. got there. We said the only teams to really worry about in the West were the Knights and the Avalanche, essentially. Which was still true. Uh, yep. One of them won it. I don't know if you noticed. Did. Um, assumption I had. Goaltending got hot, and you end up winning a cup. No, we've always had that assumption. Exactly. Still do. I don't play out of his mind. Bob got them to the finals. I don't think even from a Ranger mindset that I can think of anything and be like, wow, we were wrong about that. Um I- I, I think uh, the only thing I can really think about is that the chemistry on the Rangers, this is not this is something I believe already, though. The chemistry on the Rangers changed when Kane and Vladdy got there, and they never were able to find it. They're just like they didn't have a glue guy. Well, I just, I don't know about that. I think Goodrow's the glue guy. But I think, I just think too many things disrupted the Rangers' season in too staggered of a way. You make the trade for Vlad and Mikola, and then you wait a month in order. The team was just gelling with Vlad and Mikola, and then the process in which you got Kane was so convoluted and fucked up where you're playing men down, you're sitting Braden Schneider, you turned everything on its head in order to fit Kane in financially, and then you had to fit Kane in everywhere else where it was such a disruption that in hindsight it probably wasn't worth it. Um, obviously like, again, the power play became too many, uh, facilitators and not enough finishers. You had to try to find space to put Kane on whatever line you were going to put Kane on. It was clear Kane and Panarin were trying to force it to each other too. Like so many things happened after the Vlad and Mikola trade where it looked like Mikola had all the time in the world to get acclimated and comfortable playing defensively. He played fucking great. But you look at everything the Rangers had to do with the forward ranks, and at no point did we ever come on the show and feel like we, two dudes who just watch the Rangers all the time, never did I feel like I had a good handle on how the 12 forward should be skating. No, I didn't get it either. That's very, very, very... The team made the lines themselves, but then the lines never gelled. 
That was kind of the weird part. And you didn't have the right coach back there to be like, I can give you guys a chance, but we're changing this up if it doesn't work. It just felt like a perfect storm of not good decisions. I can't believe we're doing like an hour and a half pod on June 19th, but here we are. Because uh, I do have two more things I want to say. First, okay. yeah, uh, it really bothers me that, and I, I always think about this, that we had these players, these, these 12 forwards, and one of the things we talked about is the ability to adjust on the fly, mm-hmm. the ability to put Jimmy VC on the top right wing in certain situations to play play to the style of how the game was going, and literally none of that was ever tried. Well, it, it, it'll, it'll make me sick to the day I die. It fi- it felt like all of a sudden Gallant got the guys he wanted, but the guys Gallant wanted were guys Gallant never felt like he had the authority to move in a way that he could move the kids or a fourth line player. You're not demoting Patrick Kane is what Gallant would say, even if Patrick Kane is the guy that was worthy of the demotion. You can only demote a guy who deserves a demotion if he's not that guy. It's not even dem- like To me, it's not even demotion. It's like different looks, different adjustments. It's I, I, mean, I know it's looked at as a demotion. That, 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 I think that's the, one of the real reasons the Rangers lost. Mm. It's sickening. Whereas, and I can't believe I'm saying this, there were lines put out by Lindy Ruff where everybody just clowned on them. Rightfully so. Yeah, he put Timo down on the third line. Yeah, he put Jack on the third line too. Yeah, and guess it, what? It fucking worked. It worked, man. It yeah. Worked. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I also think Ruff, at least, as much as we clown him, is enough of a communicator where he wasn't afraid to talk to his dudes. Yeah, you get the vibe that Gallant, he just wanted to be liked, and if you just want to be liked, you're not going to make good decisions. I do want to end this podcast talking about baseball and oh, the Mets, Jesus so Christ. my apologies. Yeah, you should. Um, I've watched more baseball this year than in the last, like, four years combined yeah, for me. Yeah, you watched the Big Bad Hoppers take first place and Mark Grace Lumpbusters. Uh, I did. I have to be honest. I'm very impressed with your rebuild. Yeah, so. well, I have a lot of fucking pitching, buddy. You do. It's all incredible as well. I, uh, I, I'm sitting Bryce Miller this week. I don't have I, room for him. I know. That's disgusting. Uh I've watched a lot of baseball because of the pitch clock, and I think the game has really changed a lot for where it's more accessible for me to watch a shit ton of games. So I sure. watch a shit ton of games. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of fun teams this year. Uh-huh. The Reds are super fun. Yeah, the Mets, Rays, Mets obviously, not one of them. The Rays, obviously, I watch a lot of. The mm-hmm. Yankees are not one either. And I watch a lot of Yankees. Yeah. This Mets team, whenever I've watched them, has looked confused. Oh. Like, <laughs> lifeless at some points. How many like, pod- Ryan, how many podcasts have we come on here and I had said something along the line? For, remember my, what the most guaranteed locked bet of all time was? Period. Was it your Mets over? No, under in the first five innings of a Jacob DeGrom start. Oh, no, yes. No bet in history has cashed more than You've made under, more money off that bet than any bet you've done. Probably anything in my life, frankly. Yes. Um, I would fucking murder for the Mets to go back to having an offense that sucked ass if it meant having good pitching. I just, it is so demoralizing, deflating, and unfun to watch a team that has to continually come back from four runs down. It is deflate. Ryan, I yearn for prime Dylan G. Like, I'm not asking for much. I just, this team can't fucking pitch. It, it's disgusting. And these are guys that are supposed to be able to pitch. They are. It's nothing. Nothing in this day and age. Because all I would say all the advancements baseball has made this year, it makes the art of pitching more fun. Like, these guys are using strategy and manipulating the time clock and working faster where you're seeing more pitches, I think, thrown. You're not tuning out in between pitches like you used to. Yep. 
And when you have to sit down and watch a team that can't fucking do it, it it's demoralizing. I, I the, the best that I saw. So Pete Alonso missed nine games, then magically came back. I don't know what drug season. I have but no idea how he came back. God bless. Was... He missed nine games. The Mets averaged 5.2 runs per game in those nine games. That is a lot of runs for any team. The Mets went three and six. They've lost 10 games this year in which their offense has scored six or more runs. Anyone out there, every complaint I ever see about the Mets involves fucking Vogelback, fucking Vientos, fucking Canna. That's all people are complaining about. This pitching fucking blows. I don't know. Can Viento pitch? Have they tried? Because he might be better than fucking Verlander right now. It, it's it's horrendous. I I had so much more fun turning on a Met game, knowing they were going to score two runs, tops. But at least I was going to see some good fucking pitching. Prime Harvey, Prime Wheeler, Prime uh, did, DeGrom, uh, can I, Dickey. Can I go further? Like, even your defense has been rough. Oh, yeah. Brandon Nemo all of a sudden realized he doesn't know how to fucking do anything anymore. I just, I, I, I've never in my life, Ryan been it's painful to watch met games fucking painful there's no joy in it i'm not having fun i i I like i find myself getting angry at brett Beatty for no fucking reason just because he's out there and existing this team they can't fucking pitch i I, we did a a back in the new york groove with our friend pesci the other day because pesci thinks a completely different way than i do i'm of the opinion if i'm the mets and the starting pitching can't fucking correct themselves, I'm not making a goddamn trade at the deadline. If I'm Epler, I walk into that clubhouse and be like, I'm paying you guys some $380 million. There is enough talent on here for you motherfuckers to win baseball games. If you want to win, go fucking do it yourself. I'm not helping you. You should have enough talent here to win. And the depressing thing is, Ryan, he would be 1,000% right. He's 100% right. And it actually goes crosstown as well. I don't want to leave the Yankee fans out of this because I know there's a lot listening. At least with the Yankees, I think you can realistically complain about the the structure of that lineup before the season started. And obviously, this isn't all Judge-related. But even at its best, you're relying on Judge and Rizzo because you, you know Stanton's getting hurt. At some point. He's done it every year of his career. Thank you yep. for Fernando Tatis and Lucas Giolito, by the way. That's my bad. Shout my bad, out yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, but you understand that Stanton's going to get hurt. Frankly, you should understand Judge is going to get hurt. Last year was the anomaly in Judge's career, not the norm. Um, Volpe, you, you made this bet with Volpe that now you can't even take a step back from him. But even with Volpe struggling, Volpe wasn't supposed to be this important that if he struggles, no, you he can't wasn't. score runs. He wasn't. He can't. You can't. This is like the Othman conversation. You yeah. can't rely on this. The guy. problem The problem with the Yankees is they, they operate like a big market team in the offseason, but a small market team in the regular season. You just have to take the L on LeMahieu. Walk away from it. It's over. It's done. He's not very good. You can walk away from Hicks, but you can't walk away from LeMahieu. Uh, and then if you know you're going to walk away from Hicks, you didn't go out and get any outfield help anywhere. Bader, you knew, was missing months ba- to start Bowers this year. is like one of your best players right now. And That's where you're at. free agent. Yes. Like, I, I just, the Yankees were always short in outfielder. They were frankly always short in infield. They spent all offseason trying to trade Glaber Torres. Then they didn't trade him. He's having a fine year. But the reason you were trying to trade Glaber Torres is because you had other holes to fill elsewhere. The Yankees always felt incomplete. And I understand the frustration there. You add in the fact that Rodon hasn't thrown a pitch. Yeah, um, I get it. I like the Yankees. You can fix the Mets. You can't fix. They either start pitching or they don't. Like the Yankee fans being annoyed. I know they've lost seven of ten. 
I know they're only six games over 500. Well, the, the Yankees, yeah, the Yankees division is hell, but your division is also hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think the Marlins are going to keep this up. I, I'm sorry. I don't. That's fine. I know that the the Phillies, uh, they won 13. They went 13 and two, and they're still eight games back of the Braves. That's yeah, no, the Braves thing. are a juggernaut. Good for them. Congratulations on the division. It's over. During the game yesterday, Gary Cohen's like, well, this is going to drop the Mets 12 and a half games back. And I was sitting on my couch like, I don't care. Tell me how far back we are on the wild card. Like, yes. I just, I don't care. The division's over. It's, get, get, it's, it's over. Get me to the wild card. Yeah. This. Get me there. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. The Yankees, I think you can fix. You have the prospects. If you use Peraza to go out and get a bat, um, what that bat, that, the problem is so many teams that I expect to be bad are not bad that I don't know what the bad is you acquire. Um, maybe you well, hope, here's the thing. Th- this you is why the Mariners year's... continue to slide and you try to get someone from the Mariners. This is why this year is so interesting because teams we thought would be bad, such as the Orioles, they're now going for it. The Blue, the Blue Jays were never going to be bad. Okay, the Guardians are going to still go for it even though they're 33 and 38. Well, I think the big problem here is many of the teams we thought we, we would be bad, the Pirates and the Reds of the world specifically, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us really thought they had pieces you'd trade. Like, the Reds this year was about promoting the kids, getting the kids out there, and they're doing that. And now so maybe fun. you thought they would trade a reliever, but they never, like, you were going to trade for Will Myers? Who was the bat you were trading for? Brian Reynolds shockingly signing an extension with the Pirates, took a big bat off yep. the market. But a lot of the bad teams, I think we all just expected them to be bad because they were playing young. I don't know the like, is uh, – who? What cub are you trading for? Patrick Wisdom? It's just Bellinger. Bellingham. Sorry, not Bellingham. Jesus, Bellinger. No, you didn't get Bell- him either, Chief. Yes. Uh, but like, I know, that sucks. Nico, Nico, like Ian Happ, they signed to an extension instead of trading, so it's not him. Nico Horner is still young. You're not going to trade him. Yeah, like, just Bellinger. Patrick that's Wisdom, it. the bat the Yankees are going to go out and get, and all of a sudden be great? I don't know, man. Yeah, so was- it's, it's, it's a really weird baseball year in terms of like who's going to sell. It's not like the Athletics have anything to sell either. <laughs> Like it's yeah, just, what, just want, the team. Do you want Ryan Noda? I don't know what A you want. I guess you could you could try to get Brent Rooker, but how real is Brent Rooker? And if you're the A's, why are you even trading him? I guess yes. if you're the A's, better question. If you're the A's, why are you even keeping him? You are so far away from being good. You are. Oh my god. They I are a imagine. legitimate 1980s major league come to life. They're and the Royals, by the way, have almost a worse record than no, them. the Royals. Have a worse record. Uh, the Royals are 19 and 52. The Athletics are 19 and 55. Yes. Oh, the A's went up. There was a minute there where the Royals were worse. Yeah, the, the A's got swept by the Phillies this weekend. But the Royals so. didn't the Royals tungsten tungsten arm O'Doyle the Angels yesterday or something? They did. Yes. <laughs> oh, they did. God, still love the Angels. Yeah, everything will be fine at MetLand when we sign Otani, and he all of a sudden decides he's not a pitcher. Oh, Jesus. I just all right. My, the final point for me. Yep. It was so funny. This was a point I made on back in the New York Groove before this year started. I don't think I ever vocalized it on the podcast, but I definitely thought it to myself and felt it where I was like, man, ah, if Scherzer opts out of his contract after this year, I think it's going to be a problem for the Mets. And mm. now I'm like, now I'm of the mindset where it's Please. like, that, that motherfucker is going to steal money from Steve Cohen. <laughs> very much he's going to so. take $40 million for dollars he didn't fucking earn because he fucking sucked. I fucking, <laughs> they, they just, they can't pitch. I've never, I, Carlos Carrasco is the worst pitcher I think I've ever watched pitch for the Mets. He's I terrible. Ever, ever. He's fucking awful. And I understand he's a great human. God bless him. He's a Roberto Clemente award winner. Seems like he gives a shit about the community. That's wonderful. Can he be mayor? Can he stop pitching? Like, I don't I don't want Eric Adams pitching either. Like, can we just get him into politics? Have him do something else? What's CeCe Sabathia up to these days? Can he throw a baseball? I'm sure he can. All right, this has been BSB, uh, the, a long one somehow. But we'll be back uh, 
later this week with the BSBOT. So we'll see you guys then. Love you guys. Bye. It's the end of the show. You know what I do now. I thank 96 people, legitimately, who support this show and make this show happen every single week. Part of the NHL Insiders Club. We had the brat news early so we could all cry together. That's right. I was able to break it, I don't know, 25 minutes before Freeman or something like that. Nothing crazy. We've had, we've had better scoops before. That's for sure. People will tell you that. Anyway, uh, without further ado, let's thank all of them in a row. And I will mess their names up for the millionth time I've read them. Adam Cassie, Adam Kurt Cohen, Adam Gortulo, Adam Linder, Alan, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gartner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Mortaro, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bennett Lomayer, Bill Allison, Brill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian, Do- uh, Brian Doherty, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Fallon, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagon, Chris Haru, Connery P. Damage. I've decided today I'm going to read it on a different screen. And I don't know why. Like, I have a couple screens set up here. You know, all that all that computer stuff. And uh, switching screens has made it harder to read. That makes no sense. But here we are. CJ Stellwagon, Connery P. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel DeZen, David Naredin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Give Gartner a Cup, Garrett Reynas, Greg talks about the Mets constantly. Uh, Gretzky, Marathon Fly. Hayek is still a New York Ranger. Harrison Hasco, Hale Vanilla, Hippie 89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Rusher, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, John, Jason Zabransky, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Leschik, Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kime, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafy, Neil Grover, Nikki Palms, Nicholas DiNicola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kondratiev. That's not right. Phoenix Ignition, The Remix, PJ Sisparo, Pro World of Text Gamer, Randy Tesser, Rocco Thompson, Steve, Steve, just Steve, Stigbull Box, Weingard, Drop PK, Tommy Seclary, Tommy Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony, Tony Gregory, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Bricko, Vinny Hay, Wayne E., Will Spector, and Whitson, the Golden Retriever. I hope you had a wonderful long weekend. I hope everything is going well with you. I uh, I want to get excited about the draft this year. I'm 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 not exactly Greg, so I'm not Greg. I want to make sure that's clear. Where Greg is like, don't talk to me about the draft. Who knows what these players are going to be? We saw Vitaly Kravtsov, and he has a lot of great points with that. But I think this is one of the first years since the the rebuild has happened where the draft was such a pivotal moment for the New York Rangers. It was the combination of hope. What could this be in the future? Who could this player be? There was a lot of dissection around who that player is. I I would say a lot of our content over the past couple of years has been, let's talk about these particular players who could tra- change the future of the New York Rangers. And this is the first year I think I've seen the least interest from New York Ranger fans everywhere about who we should even take, who's available, even though this, this draft is so deep and "Quote unquote game changing" from everybody I've spoken to. We're gonna we're going to have Drew on. He hasn't he doesn't know this yet, I'm sure, but he probably assumes we're going to have Drew on to talk about whoever the Rangers draft, what the draft was like. We'll do a full review, but I just can't remember. And maybe this is just you know t- Rangers Twitter, but I can't remember a draft in the line, since we started the show that has had less buzz around it. And it has to be because there's so much change otherwise, and this draft just does not does not affect this window whatsoever. Which is why I'd be okay if Jury traded this pick, by the way. If he can get something serious for it. But all trades, of course, uh, have to be evaluated on their own basis. So, draft coming up. Big weekend. Big coach announcement on Tuesday. 
Thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.